Well, it was windy and the fishing was a little bit tough, but it was another exciting Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic. And today we will hear from the champions, Larry Sunquist and Steve Holly. You guys have fished together a long time? Oh boy, I'd say probably 40 years. And uh, we've been a team in tournaments for at least 30 of those years. Going all the way back to the Western Gas Station tournaments, uh, Zins tournaments, uh, Blue Water tournaments. Yeah, we're, we enjoy fishing. We also check in with Joe Shapesky, who heads up the event for the Knights of Columbus. We figured over the course of the event about 250 volunteers total. And another tough question for the aquatic biologist. Yeah, I think you enjoy torturing me on this show, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> Can I ask the hey, you're most a doctor, man. difficult, controversial <laughs> questions you possibly could think of? You'll find out how I tortured Andy Hayes and much more coming up. Fishing pool keys, tackle box in my hand Gonna cast a few lines with my toes in the sand Pulling in a big catch makes me feel like a man But the wife, she just don't understand I love walleye, perch, trout and bass And if you don't like fishing, you can kiss my four-stroke right in the back Cause the fishes all tremble at the thought of me When I'm fishing for bunyan country This is Fishing Paul Bunyan Country it was quite a Saturday at the Knights Columbus Walleye Classic. Anglers had to fight hard against the wind to try to find fish, and several did, including the champions. Larry Sundquist and Steve Holly had won it back in 2004, 15 years ago. They came in with a pretty big basket of 13.86 pounds, took their spots in the hot seat, and waited the rest of the day and never had to leave. It came down to the last weigh-in, Dwayne and Travis Peterson, Another set of former champions. So we knew going into that final weigh-in that there was going to be a repeat champion at the Knights Columbus Walleye Classic for the first time in 19 years. It was a question of who. Well, it turns out Dwayne and Travis were less than a half pound away from capturing it, but Larry and Steve hung on. Dwayne and Travis came in at 13.38 pounds and took the $5,000 second prize. Larry and Steve take home the first prize of $12,500 and the honor of being the first ever repeat champions of the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic, and I had a chance to chat with them right afterwards. We are talking with the champions of the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic, Steve Holly and Larry Sunquist. First of all, congratulations, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Kev. I've known you guys a long time. I think when I first met you, though, it was in the, back in the Take a Kid fishing days. You guys were involved in that. Absolutely. I remember those days, yes. You guys have fished together a long time? Oh, boy, I'd say probably 40 years. And uh, we've been a team in tournaments for at least 30 of those years. Going all the way back to the Western Gas Station tournaments, uh, Zins tournaments, uh, Blue Water tournaments. Yeah, we're, we enjoy fishing. You enjoy fishing, certainly enjoy fishing together. Uh, what what keeps you together all these years? Uh, not too much fighting, obviously. Well, not too much. No, we're pretty compatible. So, uh, you know, we uh, both think alike a lot, and, and it's a joy to be in the boat with them. Do you do each of you have a role, or are you both throwing the line? What, what How does it work? We, we, we're on the same program. It's just if uh, we're just on the same program. We just, I don't know how else to describe it. One guy picks up the slack for the other guy, or vice versa, and it's, uh, I don't know, Steve, what well, is it? You, you know how it is. One day one guy will be hot, and one day the other guy, and it just seems that one of us picks each other's up. So it's, that's the way it's been over the years. 
Well, I, I was telling another team that they've been together a long time. There's a lot of marriages that don't last as long as you guys have fished together. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, but fortunately, we don't have to go home to each other at night. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's that true. So, how many tournaments have you won over the years? Uh, Fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we won the Kraus in 2004, 15 years ago, and. and would we finish second and a couple of others? I don't know if we we won a crappie tournament, but yeah, I don't know if we ever won any big tournaments other than that. So, how, about how many tournaments here do you guys fish? Two. These we, we fish the Leech Lake Classic in this tournament. Okay, so that basically back to back weekends. Right. Correct. Yeah. Um, obviously today it, it was a it was you just had to grind it out. It was it was kind of wicked out there. Absolutely, it was. You know that uh, was a challenge to uh, fish to, in the wind. This type of wind, plus uh, you know there was some community spots out there, and so it was a little bit of bumper boats. But uh, we made it work. Everybody was courteous, and it made we made it work. Um, what were you? What were, what were they riding on? And, and where? I know you were hanging out at Diamond Point. Obviously, that's that's where the fish were for you. Yeah, leeches. We we tried red tails. We tried uh, night crawlers. We we tried shiners, and uh, leeches were the ticket. We pre-fished for three days, and we kind of knew that, and we didn't catch many fish. We I think we caught eight fish pre-fishing three days, but half of those came out of diamonds, so that was our really our only spot to go to, and it paid off. Rigs or jigs? Rigs. Yep. Yeah. And like Larry said, we tried red tails, shiners. Uh, red tails, uh, about all we could get is pike, northern pike. And, and we went to uh, leeches, and it worked. You know, you were one of the early boats in. You weighed in a pretty pretty good uh, box. And somebody told me that they might be on here all day. Did you think you were going to be on there all day? I did not, to be right honest with you. I thought that uh, there was too many good sticks in this tournament to, for that to last, and based on other years as well. So I didn't think it would last all day. Well, it, it, it did come down to the fact that it was really tough fishing out there. People had to really grind it out. And, and it wasn't record-breaking numbers, but it's just a matter of who can catch the, the most fish that particular day. Exactly. And we, we were lucky we had... I think we had our five smaller ones in the box by 8.30. Then we knew it was just a matter of grinding it out and trying to stick there for eight hours in one spot. But there was enough action in between the whole day that kept your interest up, so it wasn't hard to do. Well, when you, you say you only fish a couple tournaments a year, but I know you guys get out and fish more than that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. We like to fish, you know, and fishing for fun is great, too. And so uh, we get out quite often. When you're fishing for fun, is it still walleyes, or do you fish for a few other things? Well, it's walleyes, but we really do like to catch crappies. Okay. Well, obviously, we're going to catch them on Lake Bemidji, and that wouldn't have done you much good today, but uh, what, a, what a great day for you guys. Yeah, it, it was a great day. We appreciate everything that the Knights uh, of Columbus do and put this on. It's a great tournament. I know that you're only fishing two tournaments these days, and you probably fished more in the past. How do you feel about the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic and how it stacks up with other tournaments? That's a great tournament, but that's why we keep coming back. It's the, fun, the charity that they support, and uh, the way it's run is unbelievable. It's, it's top, top class. Well, Larry and Steve, you are the first ever repeat champions of the uh, Knights Columbus Walleye Classic after 19 years. Congratulations once again. Thanks Thank a lot, Kev. Thank you. Thank you, Kev. 
Two absolute class acts, great guys, and obviously great anglers. Congratulations to Steve Holly and Larry Sunquist, the first ever repeat champions of the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic. Coming up next, more from the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic. I had a chance to talk a little bit with Joe Chapest, who heads the whole tournament up for the KFC. Fishing, the only sport with more logos than NASCAR. You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. It has been my pleasure to work with the Knights of Columbus these past four years on the Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic. Combined with them and Kraus Anderson, who started this tournament, it's been 19 years now, and it has been a great summer event in Bemidji, and what a great promotion for Lake Bemidji. Some drama over the years, and certainly there was this year. No drama in the way it was run, though. Everything ran smoothly, and that's thanks in large part to the many, many volunteers, including, of course, the 75 or so Knights of Columbus members that were there on Saturday. The guy who headed it all up once again this year was Joe Shapesky, and I had a chance to talk with him Saturday. Well, once again, talking with Joe uh, Shapesky, or Joe which is a lot easier to spell, as we are at the annual, the 19th annual Knights of Columbus Walleye Classic, and Joe, it appears everything's going off without a hitch once again, other than it's a little windy today. Well, it's always going to be a little windy when you've got a good tournament going on. Something has got to put a little wrinkle into the lake, right? Uh, which usually turns into pretty good walleye water. Uh, but so far, we had a great launch at 7 o'clock this morning. It was absolutely gorgeous out. And uh, from the little bit we're hearing from anglers so far, uh, they're working hard. They're definitely beating the waves. Uh, we think we're probably going to maybe not get huge numbers, but it looks like we might have some big uh, size to them. So, But we won't know until we get to the end of the tournament. The great thing about this tournament is it seems to continue to grow. I mean, this uh, has become a real standard part of summer in Bemidji now, and there's about a bunch of people out here now, uh, and you're always you're still getting more sponsors every year. Yes, we're so blessed, you know, and that, that really is a testament to our hardworking committee. We've got a great group of volunteers, not only from the Knights of Columbus, but from many of our charitable organizational partners as well. Uh, you know, there's 11 different groups that are beneficiaries of this event, and uh, that really speaks a lot to the sponsors as well. They want to be there to support that kind of community effort. And, uh, again, more and more sponsors every year, more official this, more official that. I can't keep up with them all anymore. It's even worse if you're trying to keep them straight as the tournament director. Uh, but uh, they keep coming back, and we keep growing the family, and they get more and more excited. If you look at the even the anglers' bags last night at the rules meeting, they just keep getting bigger and bigger, and that the anglers are in awe of uh, everything that's coming in as a part of the tournament. And we're just overjoyed to have such wonderful partners. And with uh, all the things that come in, whether it be st- the, the fees that the anglers pay and the, and the uh, sponsor money, it is allowing you to, A, give some really valuable prizes to the anglers, which keeps the place packed, but also um, you're, you're continuing to give more and more to your beneficiaries as well. Yeah, last year was a record year for us. We gave away over $63,000 to our 11 charitable organizations which was just a fantastic number. We'd never seen anything over 60 before, uh, which brought the total lifetime over 18 years at that point for the tournament to $757,000, which is a pretty big impact for the Bemidji community. So we're looking to keep that going. And how did you get roped into being the tournament director, and how do you keep getting roped into being the tournament director? 
Well, it's, uh, I don't know. These things just kind of happen. But it's just kind of been a blessing. You know, Knights of Columbus got involved with this. Um, I've got a little bit of experience with uh, running events, as do many of our committee members, honestly. And somehow it just happened to be the right time for everything else going on. And, uh, you know, I'm just one person in a certain role. We've got a lot of other people that work, quite honestly, a lot harder than I do. Uh, for their portions of the event, and together we make a pretty neat, uh, spectacular event. How many Knights of Columbus volunteers do you have here today? I'm not quite sure. I would guess between, well, probably around 75 or so. Yeah, I would say easy, which which is still not even close to the total number here. I know over the course of the day we probably have 100 Boy Scouts and Boy Scout leaders. Uh, we've, you know, just about all the other organizations have between six and I don't know 20 30 people here depending on the organization so it's we figured over the course of the event about 250 volunteers total seems like it's going great again Joe good work thank you thank you so much and appreciate you being here Kev once again I got to tip my hat to the Knights gloves not just for the way they run this tournament what what a great organization just a ton of great guys working hard to put together a lot of great things for this community. So, thank you, Knights of Columbus. Up next, as you heard at the outset, I torture the aquatic biologist. Some people say fishing is overrated. For the record, they are wrong. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Time to ask the aquatic biologist another interesting question. Dr. Andrew Haves joining me from Bemidji State University's Aquatic Biology Department. Um, your students asked the bulk of the questions this year, and this was one of them. And I, I after talking to you and, and a number of people over the years, um, I, th- I know the answer to this one. But it's a great question because walleye is king in this state, and everybody wants to catch walleye. So the question was, why don't they just stock walleye in every lake? Yeah, I think you enjoy torturing me on this show, don't you? <laughs> Can ask the hey, you're most a doctor, man. Difficult, controversial <laughs> questions you possibly can think of, or my students are having fun yes. torturing me here. <laughs> so when I was an undergrad, I can remember my advisor telling me that the stocking is a band aid. It's not. You use it to is a tool to help you solve a problem in the short term. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Until you can address the actual issue, fix that, and allow nature then to do things on its own. And so let me interrupt you quickly there. Sure. We had two examples of that in Red Lake and Leech Lake. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Perfect examples of how stocking should be used. We knew what the problem was. They addressed the problem. Stocking was used to rehabilitate the systems, recover them. Now they're re- relying on natural reproduction again. Yeah. Right. That's the goal. Yeah. Right. We don't want to have a continued cost every year to be able to have to stock these fish. Uh, to require the DNR to stock walleye through legislation is a travesty. Right? Yes. <laughs> it just they every system has its requirements, and who best knows those other than the, the anglers that are there and the biologists working on them? Right. Yeah. So. It is entirely possible and likely that by requiring the DNR to stock X number of fish annually, 
We're actually harming the ecosystems. Okay. More walleye stocked into a system does not mean you're going to catch more walleye as an angler. In fact, I can remember in my undergrad course again, that advisor telling us that if you want to go find the best lakes to go fish walleye, you go look for the ones where stocking does not occur. Right. That, right. that makes perfect sense when you think about it. Our best walleye fisheries are the ones where stocking does not need to happen. So here's an example of how it can be bad. You stock in too many walleye, what are they doing? They're all competing for the same resources. If there are too many young fish in the system, it is most likely that that year class is going to be weaker than it should be because they've ate themselves out of house and home. You have essentially will have less walleye recruiting to the gill nets at age three if you've stocked too many young than when you've done, when there's an optimal number of fish. So I really like this strategy of them trying to regulate the slot limits so that there are so many, the perfect amount of females in that system so that there is the perfect amount of walleye fry in that system and they're all growing at the right rate and you have the maximum amount of fish recruited to the gill net at age three when we can angle them, right? Okay. Yeah. That seems like a very logical approach to me. Just dumping in more fish, they're gonna, like I said, they're going to eat themselves out of a house and home and you're going to have a crash. And not only are you going to decimate that walleye year class, you also have killed every perch that is in that year class because an age one walleye eats an age zero perch, an age two walleye eats an age two perch. So I've seen the direct relationships, direct relationships on leech where more fry result in less perch in that same year class to the gill net. And that's an extremely strong relationship. Okay. So it's the stocking is a good thing when it's used in the right ways as a tool, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and certain lakes just aren't geared to be walleye lakes, right? Sure. And that was probably the answer you were expecting right yeah. from the get-go yeah. is that if the temperature profile is not right – why stock them in there? You just dump money into a lake for no reason. So, of course, my answer was related to lakes that are even are available for walleyes or suitable for walleyes, mm-hmm. whereas uh, the obvious answer that I could have said was, well, does it pay to stock walleye in, into a lake that is only three feet deep, <laughs> right? Yeah. Has no gravel. Is a hundred and ten degrees in the summer? Let's stock walleye into that. No, <laughs> so I didn't answer the obvious question there, but well, and focused but, on more specifics and more ones that are, English are probably thinking about around here. And that's that is a, and that was a, that's a great point and one I certainly had thought of. That's why we have you on this show, okay. obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, there, and we have talked about it, not specifically about walleye, but just about any time you change a fishery, you change a lot of things. And, you know, this lake might have a lot of bass, and obviously if you introduce walleyes, they, that, that can have an effect on the bass down the road, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, they're all, everything is connected like we've mentioned before. And I guess what I was thinking about there while you were talking about that is if as an angler or a lake association or whatever, if, if you're thinking of requesting to the DNR that stocking should occur, that's a, a not a good thing. That means there's a problem that needs to be addressed, right? Yeah. And 
maybe the problem is, that you think is present is I'm not catching enough walleye, right? Yeah. The lakes can only handle so many walleye. There are upper limits, right? They're limited by the production levels that are in these ecosystems. So in many cases, it is not possible to increase the total number of fish in the systems. And in fact, it is likely that in a lot of our systems, we have too many top predators right now. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yeah. why the, some of the massive changes have occurred recently to the northern pike regulations. Right. It's just we're really good at putting a lot of predators into the system because we like to catch them. And that's had some huge effects on perch populations around the state and others. So. Not a walleye-related issue, but a stocking-related issue. Um, they introduced uh, muskies into Lake Bemidji in 1980, I believe it was. By and large, very successful. But uh, we're finding that they're not getting that next-generation recruitment like leech and cast and natural um, musky waters are getting. I don't know the if it's if it's a stocking issue or it's just the the way they wanted to develop that fishery. But there there's another there's an example of something you put in and it and now they've got to try to figure out how are we going to keep those numbers because they're not they're not reproducing. From my understanding of what's going on with the musky population in Bemidji is that it's extremely stable at around four to six hundred individuals. And all of those individuals are massive. Yes. <laughs> right? And anybody who's gone around looking for muskie that are sunning in the early spring has seen, I mean, I remember I saw seven in one day one time when I was just out boating that were just enormous, some of the biggest fish I've ever seen in my life. I think that that population is at its, it's at its peak. It's matured, okay. right? Which means it's as many individuals as you're going to have in this system is present. And for you to have a new one come in, a new recruit, it takes one of those big ones to die. Yeah. So you're not going to have great recruitment on an annual basis because it's saturated with huge, massive adults. Mm-hmm. It's If you're a musky angler, that's the goal of that, and you're out for trophy fish. Right. It is the perfect musky population. And But it's going to, you know, again, you're, you're introducing something into a water, and at some point, they're all going to, I mean... They're all old, right? Right. So, so you might have three die a year. I don't know. Yeah. A certain percentage of them a year. But if you think about, I don't know, let's just throw out a number, 5% of that population dies annually of old age. Right? Yeah. That's not many fish. So there's not going to be many recruits that make it. There's no room for them, right? Mm-hmm. That's my that's my take on it. But I, I could, could, you know, I haven't looked into it that closely. All I know is the population numbers and the size of fish that are out mm-hmm. there. But so. I guess my, my point, and I'm not criticizing it. I mean, obviously, yeah. muscular anglers love it. I think it's great too. Sure. But it's it, it's not it, it's a an introduced population right. into a lake that was not originally designed to have muskies in it, and so you're not having that natural turnover like some of those other lakes would. Or maybe this is just a different topic altogether. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. Maybe I don't know the answer to that, and whether that's true or not. Uh, whether the turnover rates, or um, you know, in reality, we know very little about the musky populations. It's amazing. Leech Lake is our staple mus- musky population in the the world. Some would argue, right? Mm-hmm. It's the strain that we use to stock everywhere, and yet uh, population abundances, their growth rates, their recruitment rates, things like that, are not known nearly as well as they are for walleye. 
in large part because they're difficult to capture. Yes. Right? Uh, yeah. Trying to do a population assessment and estimating how many numbers of muskie there are in Leech Lake is tough. But so, mm-hmm. my, I guess my answer there to your question is, is two things: is that it's difficult to know the answer to that because we don't mm-hmm. know a whole lot about muskie populations. And then the other thing is that when they choose, when the DNR chooses to stock a muskie muskie into a system that doesn't normally have it, like they do in Bemidji there's enormous rigor that goes into making that decision. And many, many stakeholders weigh in on that. And they've determined that the benefit of stocking them in this system and the economics of it and how many users there will be outweighs the ecological risks. And I I completely agree with that on on Bemidji. I would too. It's obviously been a great one. Yes. But it does take a lot more manpower, whether it's walleyes, or muskies when you introduce it into waters than when it naturally For sure. occurs. For right? sure. Yeah. All right. Another complex situation <laughs> right. for the aquatic biologist, Dr. Andrew Hafes. Andy, thanks for your time today. Thank you.